Vision killers. Vision killers. Somebody say vision killers. We have been talking about vision for a while, and we've said a lot of things about vision that all of us are born with a specific vision. We all have a unique identity. Your fingerprint is unique because God has purposed for you to answer a particular desire on earth. Amen. And you see, vision, we said, was um, uh, uh, like a dream of what you want to become in a few years' time. Hallelujah. And we said that vision is something that when you, you map your life on a vision, you are motivated to do a lot of things. You are not distracted. You are not tired or frustrated because if you have a vision, you can do very well. Amen. We talked about three builders. How many remember three builders? They were all building something. The first person was just put laying bricks. He was putting bricks on top of each other. The second person was building a wall. And the third person was building a cathedral. And I asked the question, which one of these three do you think will stay long at this building site? The person who is building a cathedral, right? Why not? Give us the pictures again so that people can understand. The reason is that the person who is building a cathedral has a vision of the finish or the end product. So he has in his mind that I am not going to stop until I see the building complete. Hallelujah. The other guy is building just a wall. So all he wants to do is to finish that wall. Once the, the, the wall or the height that he requires is built and the length of the wall is built, that's him done. Hallelujah. The guy who is just putting bricks on top of each other has no vision. He's just putting bricks. So if somebody comes and says, listen, I want to invite you. Let's go and uh, uh, maybe eat or let's go and do, uh, visit our friend in London. What do you think he's going to do? He's just going to go and he might forget to even come back to the building site. Because all he was doing was piling bricks on top of each other with mortar, and that was it. In the same way, in life, if you don't have the vision, your life will be like one of these, the, the, the first guy. Anything at all can come and distract you. Anybody at all can come and give you a different vision. Because when you don't have a destination, anywhere you reach is home. Isn't that true? If you don't have a destination in mind, wherever you get to, it's home. You call it home because you didn't have the plan. Amen. Life is a journey. We are all on a journey. The journey is not the day you die. The journey doesn't end the day you die. The journey is something that God has purposed and God has destined for us. And we as, as individuals need to discover the, the plan or purpose for our, of God for our life. We need to have a plan. We need to have a journey, a, 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 a map, a roadmap. Vision is like a roadmap. If you are starting a journey and you don't have a roadmap, you will not end well. Oh, am I okay? Can I calm down? Give me a little bit of volume. I can't hear myself. When you are on a let's say, for instance, you start the journey. And I ask you, where are you going? You say, anywhere. 
or you say somewhere, and you don't have a roadmap, you don't have a Google destination, where do you think you end up? Anywhere. Because when you get tired, you have reached where you are going. Am I making sense? When you get bored, you have arrived. When you get fed up, you have reached. Because you didn't have a plan in the first place. You see, somebody who has a vision, even if he doesn't have money, will accomplish more and, uh, than somebody who has money with no vision. Am I making sense? Because when you don't have a vision, uh, vision and somebody gives you money, that money will get finished. Are you with me? There are some uh, uh, statistics say that those people who win the lottery, they end up being broke and being in debt. Because before the money came into their account, they didn't have a plan. There are some people, when you give them that amount of money, it will finish next week. All used and really used well. Because they had a plan awaiting the money. So as soon as the money came, it just, you understand, when preparation meets opportunity, there's a performance. Are you with me? So the preparation is the vision that you are working towards. The opportunity is what life gives you. The Bible says that time and chance happens to them all. We are all going to have time. We are all going to have chance. What we do with the time, what we do with the chance is the, is the preparation that we have. It's based on our preparation. It's based on our vision. Am I making sense? In, in, in Genesis chapter 37, we saw, we read it the other day, a little boy had a dream. Let's go back to it, Genesis 37. Quickly, this guy, Joseph, was best one. Now, Jacob dwelt in a land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This was the history of, jo of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding his flock with his brothers, and the lad was the son of Bel the and the lad was with the sons of Belial, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his, his, his children, the other children, because he was the son of his old age. And also, I think uh, Uncle Fred, they are talking to you. Son of his old age. And he also had a tunic of many colors. Hey, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but when his brother saw, saw that the father loved him more, his brothers hated him and could not speak peaceably with him. And now Joseph had a dream, and he told his brothers, and they hated him even the more. Hallelujah. So he said, please hear the, this dream which I have dreamed. There was binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheep arose and stood upright and in and Indeed, your sheaf stood around and bowed down to my sheaf. <clears throat> and his brother said, shall, we indeed, shall you indeed reign over us? Shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even the more for his dream and for his words. 
Then he dreamed yet another dream and told his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. This time, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed to me. This guy, far. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and the father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamt, that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied but his father kept the matter in his mind. This boy was only 17 years, but he had a dream. You see, having a dream or having a vision for your life is not determinant on your age. There are a lot of children, when you ask them, what are you going to do in future, they will tell you, isn't it? Even from the age of six, they will tell you, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be... But you see, it is not just the wanting to be. It is how passionate you are to want to see that thing that you have determined come to pass. Amen. But in life, the, the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to do what? Destroy. See, Satan is not going to sit down and let you dream and fulfill a dream. He's not going to sit down and let you fulfill the vision of God for your life. Anybody and everybody that God ever gave a vision to, the first encounter they had was with Satan. Because Satan's, his only aim is to steal. If he cannot steal, he will kill. If he cannot kill, he will destroy. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? So all of us here, we are in danger of losing our vision to the thief. Because they are vision killers. And we're going to look at a few of these type of vision killers. In fact, I was looking at it and I realized that there are more than, I, I could name more than 20 vision killers. There are a lot of things that can come to steal our vision. Hallelujah. Whatever God has destined and, prepared, uh, and planned for you, he says, I know the plans that I think in, in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I think towards you. They are plans of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end, which means that God has a plan, an expected end for you. Hallelujah. He has a plan for us. He has a, a vision for us. He, he, he has plans. You know, every father, every mother has a plan for the children. Somebody will tell you, I am working hard because of my children, for my children's sake, isn't it? I want to make sure that my children have a better life than I did. I want to make sure that they have a more comfortable life than I had. Hallelujah. Some of them will, will be building houses in their old age, not because they want to live in it. But for, for the, the, the children that are coming after them, they are planning their lives because they have a vision. If we, being evil, know how to give good gifts and plans to our children, can you imagine that God, our Father, would he not have a plan and a, a, a purpose for your life? Are you just there to just occupy air? No, there's a plan for you. The problem is that most of us, majority of us, we get our plans and our vision stolen by life. Hallelujah. 
Life has a way of stealing the vision. The past has a way of taking and sapping energy from us. And so today, I want us to look at some of these things that can kill our vision. And the, 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 the aim is so that from today, you'll be mindful of the purpose and the plans and the vision that God has for your life and how you, you order your life. You see, the Bible says that if the thief knew the time that, the, if the householder knew the time that the thief was going to come and break in and enter, he would have kept or guarded his house well. Because the thief doesn't come at a time that you expect him. He comes when your guts are down, when you are asleep. The Bible says that when men slept, an enemy entered into the field and sowed tests amongst the wheat. So when the wheat sprang up, the tests also sprang up. And the tests were competing with the wheat to the point that at a point it looks like the wheat was die, were dying and the tests were taking over. Most of us, our lives sometimes are like that. As you were unguarded, Satan came and sowed tests into that wonderful life. He sowed some bitter experiences. He sowed some things that you were not expecting. And those things has, have paralyzed you. And have made you become somebody you don't even like your life. I think I'm talking to somebody. You don't even like the life. You don't like you. If you were to vote for anybody, for anything, you, the last person you vote for is yourself. If somebody is looking for a wife, you will not vote for yourself. If somebody is, is looking for a, a, a partner to start a business, you will not vote for you. Am I talking to somebody? Hello? Why have you gone so quiet on me? Is it that you don't like what I'm saying or what? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, they, look, at, look at Elijah. This is the man that God had purposed that this guy is going to stand to defend my name. He's going to stand when all other prophets have, have run away. He's going to stand and fight the prophets of Baal. He will fight and, the name of, and defend the name of God. This guy had a powerful vision. He had just succeeded in annihilating all the uh, prophets of Baal. Killing them so that the name of God will stand strong. But he didn't realize that in all that, there were some vision killers that were ready to kill his vision. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes, can I, can I be okay speak to you? Sometimes your vision is killed before it starts. At the time of your childhood, that is when your vision is killed. There are some people in this room, you were raped when you were a child. That was not to just scar you emotionally, but was to kill the vision of God for your life. Am I talking to somebody? There are some of us, in, at the very early age, somebody stole something from you, took something precious from you. 
Somebody said you will not amount to anything. It was just a word, but that word has changed you up to today. It could be your mother, it could be your father, it could be somebody significant in your life. They said something about you, and that thing you can never forget. As for you, no man will ever marry you. No, you are not beautiful. Nobody would like you. Nobody will choose you. It's been 30 years. It's been 40 years. And that same statement keeps haunting you. You, you, you are useless. You, you will suffer before you die. And you're only six years old. When that was said to you. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, only one person. Hallelujah. When Moses was born, he was just born. Little baby. Pharaoh had made a decree that all the children under two be put to death. He had just been born. So that his, his, his mother and father could not keep him in the house. They put him in a, in a basket and they put him on the river. Float to, the, to, to death. Go wherever you go. Because we can't keep you. He was only a baby. Because Satan saw the vision that God had for him. He didn't know who Moses was. But he knew that around this time there is going to be born a guy who will deliver Israel from, from Egypt. Jesus had the same experience. Hallelujah. There's some to your, your vision is stolen when you are old. When you are conscious, your vision is stolen by experience. Your vision is stolen by friends. Your vision is stolen by, by people. Some of us, is our friends are the ones who spoil the vision of God for our lives. Hallelujah. Let us look at the, some of these vision killers. The first one. The first one. The number one vision killer is your family. Um... <laughs> How many will agree with me that your, your, your family, they are the most vicious people? Almost everybody in this room, in the anger, in a fit of rage from your parents, they have said something that amounted to a curse. You will suffer. It will be well with you. You. You don't know anything. You will never amount to anything. When I was young, I used to like going out to play football. You know, and we lived in a, a very nice area. Very, very nice area. But, you know, those... Guys in those in that area, their football was not as nice as the slum on the other side. Their football was real football. 
Yeah, that was aggressive. And I used to like that football more than playing with the neighbors. So sometimes when I come from school, I'll run. It's like over a mile. It's like from here to the city center, I'll run to the place. And then I'll go and play football. And I'll play football. Sometimes I'll be playing football till six. And then I'll come home very, you know, and they used to play in the red sand. And you see, those guys knew that I came from the posh area. So they had a, spe- a special liking to me. That this guy, he has to get some beatings. <laughs> so they kick you from pillar to post. But I also like, because I, I mean, I like fighting. That's why I learned how to fight. So they'll kick you, then you also get up, and you also kick somebody, then before you realize you're in the sun, you're fighting, and then your hair is all red. Then I will walk from that place, past all the neighbors, looking like a vulture. <laughs> past the, you know, this posh area, looking sun everywhere. Sometimes you have scratches here, you have blood all over, and I'm coming home. I was an embarrassment to my mother. Because I would have passed through uh, maybe Auntie this. Uncle this, auntie this, you know, everybody was, everybody knew everybody in the area. What is wrong with your child? I saw your child. He was looking so wretched. What is happening? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm in a frustration. You, you don't know anything. Instead of learning, you will never ever amount to my child. Okay, if I don't know anything, why should I bother? Hallelujah. Your family. Listen to what the brother said to Joseph. Shall we bow down to you? You small boy. You mean our sheaves were, was, were bowing to you? Are you crazy? Even his father said, what is this dream that you have dreamt? The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars are going to bow to you. You see, what the father and the brothers didn't know is that it was not just the bowing, but it was the salvation of the whole family that God had specifically placed Joseph there that one day when there's a famine and everybody's dying, he will send him to Egypt. And in that place, he becomes the next to Pharaoh, and he'll be the one who will control the food so that that food will preserve their lives. That was the purpose of the dream. That was the purpose of the vision. Not just for him to bow, for them to bow to him. Hallelujah. But, I mean, it didn't make sense to them. All they knew was that you will not amount to anything. Jesus was God made flesh. He was the son of the living God. At a very early age, he was uh, turning uh, water into wine and all that. But if you read the scriptures that Jesus' brothers and mother were not part of his ministry. They didn't believe in him. So one day he was preaching uh, and uh, uh, somebody called out that your mother and brothers are here. Brethren are here. They want to see you. He said, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? These ones want to hear from me. 
not those ones who never want to see anything good come out of you. Hallelujah. I'm saying this to also tell all of us that, listen, the words are very, 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 very crucial. Words you say in the family to your, 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 your siblings, to your uh, nephew, nieces and nephews, and to your, your own children are very, very, very crucial. To the making or the making. Satan can use any of us to steal people's destiny. Just one statement. Just one word. See, when you own a house, you can change things. Yesterday, my daughter was changing her room. She moved the bed from here to there. She moved this from here to here. She did this, moved that. I mean, she, she reorganized and redecorated the whole, the whole room. And it was very, very beautiful. It, because it's a room. I cannot go into that room and say, no, I don't like where the bed is. I want the bed here. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? In the same way, when you give birth to a child, you own that child in a way. So whatever you say over the life of that child is very crucial. Am I talking to somebody? If you, if you say that, I don't want this, this bed will not amount to anything. See, she, she said, I don't want this chair in this room. There was a chair that she's always sat in and used. She pointed to that chair and said, I don't want this chair in the room. The chair had to go. In fact, she was trying to get the chair out of the door and the chair won't go out of the door. So she screamed and called me that get this chair out. So I looked at her and said, this is mathematics. You have to use mathematics to move the chair out. She said, no, no, it's impossible. The chair can't go. They should try. No, it doesn't work. I said, no, this is it's just mathematics. Turn it this way. And it's like, because it's angles. So she turned it this way before she realized the chair was already downstairs. And said, how did you do it? I said, no, it's mathematics. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the chair didn't stop in the room when she didn't want it. Are you with me? So the words we speak over our children are very, very important. If we say this child will not amount to anything, the child will not amount to anything. So be very careful if you're a mother, your father, your, your grandfather, whatever, what you say in, an, in anger over the child. You're a very bad boy. He's done a bad thing. Doesn't mean he's a bad boy. There are two different things. <laughs> do you understand? Good people do bad things sometimes. It doesn't change who they are. Because a good person is who he is. A bad person is who he is. A bad thing is what they have done. The two are not the same. Am I talking to somebody? So address the issue and not the person's destiny. Amen. Address the person's issue. Don't call. Some of us, we choose very silly names for our children. You had a bad experience. You don't want to forget the experience. Write it in a diary. 
Don't use it as a name of your child. <laughs> Let me leave that one <laughs> before I get. <laughs> Call your child trouble. What kind of... Genesis 37, verse 19. Then they said to one another, Look, the dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us kill him and cast him into a pit. We shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. This is his own family. They were plotting to kill him. Amen. Sometimes our family have a way of killing our destiny. They have a way of killing what you, you, you are doing. Hallelujah. I remember when I finished uh, sixth form in the place where I grew up. As soon as I finished, I think I finished like, um, let's say like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I came home. When I got home, the following Monday, I had, start, I, I had a job that I was starting. And when I put my trousers on and my shirt and my tie, I was going to work. Monday morning, I just came home on Thursday. Monday morning, I was going to work. My Sisters and mother. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> where do you think you are going? <laughs> they didn't look for a job for me. I got my job. And I was going to start. Where do you think you are going? What do you know? <laughs> As I was leaving the house, I, mean, I had to walk a fair distance to go and take... Uh, a taxi to go to the workplace. As I walk in, I, I point out myself, where, where do you think you are going? <laughs> I was asking myself, what do you know? Because the, the, at the time where I, grew, where I grew up, it's like they finish school, they stay in the house. House is nice. You have servants, you have everything. Everybody's just chilling in their room, and that's it. So what is this that you are trying to do? You just came from school. Instead of coming to join us, you say you are, you are put on a tire. Where are you going? Hallelujah. If I had listened to them, I will still be in that place with them. Am I talking to somebody? There are some family members, they are close to us, but you should know them. You know, sometimes you have a certain, you have maybe, you are sitting by your wife. So I was going to say you have your wife back. <laughs> say it, say it, say it. You know, sometimes you have, you have, you have a wife who, who normally is, is fearful. So you want to start a business. She's your wife, you love her and everything. But know what you say to her. Do you understand? Because as good as she is, she may be a dream killer. She may be a vision killer. So when you share this vision that God has placed in your heart to them, they'll kill it before it starts. Am I making sense? Yeah, sometimes your best friend, 
They are close to you and everything. But know them. Know the ones who kill vision. Know the ones who kill dreams. They may be your sibling. They may be the people you live with. But know them. And you also do not become a vision killer. As for me, I am a, what do you call that? I'm a let's go. You know who a let's go is? I'm a cheerleader. If you like, come and tell me that you want to do something. Even if I think you can't do it, I'll say we, we are going to do it. Say anything, I say let's go, let's go. We'll do it. You want to be kind of boxer, let's go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because for me, I, I look at things that way, that everything's possible. If you are determined and passionate, you can make it happen. That's me. So I'm a let's go type of person. But there are some people naturally, they are pessimistic. They see the glass half empty. They see all the troubles. They see everything, the impossibilities. They see all the potential problems you, are, you, you, you encounter. So they'll start telling you, number one, you encounter this problem. Number two, you encounter that problem. Number three, by the time they reach number nine, you don't want to do anything anymore. <laughs> How many understand what I'm saying? There are some people like that. So if you have somebody like that in your family, know what you say to them. Otherwise, they will kill your vision. Number two, vision killer. Close friends and close associates. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had just revealed to the disciples, or uh, Peter had just said that you are, the, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he said that from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Then Peter, his closest associate, then Peter took him to one side and began to rebuke him. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. The vision why he came was to go to the cross. That was his sole aim. His closest friend is saying, far from it. You are not going to go. So he had to turn and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Until you learn to call some closest friends Satan, you are not going to achieve your vision. You didn't like what I said. Can I say it again? I've come close to you because I'm not afraid of you. Rolandus, it's nice to see you. <laughs> Until you are, you are ready to say, get thee behind me, Satan, to your closest friend. Your vision will never be achieved. Yeah. Because sometimes they will pass their fears to you. They will pass their... See, Peter was being selfish because he had abandoned his vocation as a fisherman and he was following Jesus so now he has a new vocation. Now this Jesus says, I'm going to die. Hey! So when you die, don't want to become of him because you are gone. When you are dead, you are gone. But I am here. I have a mother-in-law which means I have a wife. And if I have a mother-in-law and a wife, then obviously I have children. So what's going to happen to my children? Who pay their school fees? 
No, Jesus, you can't die. <laughs> no, this Jesus cannot die. Maybe another Jesus, but this one can't die. Hallelujah. So, you see, sometimes the people are around you, they are around you for whatever they can get. So, when you are sharing your dreams and your visions with them, be careful. Because the advice they are giving you is what suits them, not what is for your purpose. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because most of the time, advice is selfish. The advice sounds nice, but it's not for your benefit, it's for their benefit. Peter's advice, far be it from you, Lord, that you should go and die. We are doing a lot of miracle signs and wonders here. We are saving a lot of souls. We are feeding 5,000. We are walking on water. We are doing miracles. How can you just let it stop like that? We've only started. It's just the second year. This is about the third year we are entering. How can you go and die? No, we need more miracles. We need more f- people to feed. Death. Listen, when you die, all this that you have worked for will go down the toilet. So you stay till you are 60. Till I've got my pension. <laughs> then you can do whatever you want to do. Hallelujah. I said, no. Get thee behind me, Satan. For you savor not the things of God. You are not mindful of the things of God. But you are saving the things of men. What will gender to your favor? That's what you are doing. This advice is not from God. This advice is Satan's advice. Until you are able to decipher between Satan and God in your friend, in your family, in your wife, in in your children, you haven't started walking towards your vision. Hallelujah. Number three, quickly. Your present boss or those who have authority over you. Why are you looking at me, Uncle Fred? David had just come. He was playing the harp for the king's madness to go. The king was in authority. And the king had been told that the, your kingdom has been snatched away from you and has been given to one that is worthy, more worthy than you. And Saul could see that this guy, he is about to take over my kingdom. The Bible says from that day, Saul began to eye David. If I get this, I've meant this guy. Just waiting for the opportunity. When I get him, he will know. Hallelujah. Sometimes you go to a certain workplace and you're hard working. They see the, the, the potential you have. And they begin to work So, so, so I, David, from that day forward, means that 
Have you seen, have you seen uh, 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 Africans have some things they do? It means what? Those from the Caribbean you won't understand, but then when an African man does. You understand? Yeah. It means you, you see. If you fall into the trap, you hear it. I remember I was working for this, this man. Sometimes for me, I was doing my normal day-to-day. I didn't know that the man had written a five-page document of things that I've done wrong. And I I mean, five-page document. Do you know how many letters five-page document is? (laughs) Number one, number two. Number three, number four, number five, page one, page two, page three, page four, page five. <laughs> five thousand words. <laughs> hey! Five page document. When I went to sit down and they were reading my charges, hey! <laughs> I was like, I am very bad. <laughs> <laughs> really, really terrible person. Huh. So sometimes the person who has authority over you, they have a way of killing that vision and killing that thing so that you will never ever amount to that thing. Because the guy knew that this guy had the potential of replacing me. But he said, he told me, the first day I landed in the job, he told me that I know they brought you to replace me. But it will never happen. It will never happen. And indeed, it never happened. <laughs> I was sacked one time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I don't know why you people are laughing at me. I was totally sad. I was given a few, a few minutes to pack <laughs> the place <laughs> before something bad happened to me. Hallelujah. Number four vision killer, your fears. Fear is a killer. Amen. Fear is a killer. How many know that fear is a killer? Sometimes you know that God has given you something to do. But fear will paralyze you and not make you do it. Do you know that anything God will ask you to do is bigger than you? Any vision you have is bigger than you. It's bigger than the amount of money you have in your bank account. It's bigger than everything you you can think of. And the only thing that stops us sometimes is fear. So in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6, God says to Joshua that I know that this place that I'm sending you is big. This this vision I'm giving you is big and is intimidating. But you only be strong and be of good courage. For these people, 
For to these people you shall divide the inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Then he goes on again. Only be strong and be what? Very courageous. Twice. Only be strong and be very courageous. One. Second one. Only be strong and be very courageous. That you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Be strong and be courageous. You see, your vision has an element that torments, which is called fear. Hallelujah. How many have a vision? You have some ambitions. You want to see some things happen in your life. You are pursuing some things. You want to start a business. Then your mind will tell you, eh, eh, how many people you know like you who have succeeded in this business? This is not somebody from outside. This is not your wife. This is not your, your cousin. But this is you. Your vo- the voice inside of you is saying that, hey, stop that rough there. Can't do it. You fail. Listen, failure is part of success. Did you hear that? Write it somewhere. Failure is part of success. Anybody who has been successful in life failed in the same thing that they are successful in. So don't allow the fear of failure to stop you from doing what you have to do. Am I talking to somebody? Don't allow the fear of being ridiculed. Jesus is walking on water. Then Peter says that, Lord, if it is you... Ask me to come and walk on the water with you. And then Peter gets out of the boat. The others are paralyzed by fear. And they are sitting in the boat. The the wind and the storm is boisterous and everything. And Peter takes a few steps on the water just as Jesus, walking towards Jesus. At the point he sees the wind, he gets a bit uh, scared and then he begins to sink. So he shouts, Jesus, save me. And Jesus holds him and saves him. And then they put him back in the boat. And then when he sat in the boat, <laughs> like you see. <laughs> so they start to laugh. And somebody says, you see, you're too known. You're too known. You're too known. We are all here. You are long greedy. You want to go and see work on water. You see, you, a fish would have dealt with you. I've seen. Listen, throughout history to today, amongst all the disciples, there's no one that walked on water apart from Peter. So damn the fear and take that step. He said, if I perish, I perish. I will not be the first one who would have perished. But I'm going to take the step. You know, the lion would Attack a buffalo that is about six, seven times its weight and strength. The horn of the buffalo, if it goes into the, if they use it on the, uh, the lion to go from one side of the belly and pierce on the other side of the belly. 
the lion will attempt to take on the elephant. The elephant is about 10 times the size of the lion. One kick will take the lion somersaulting many, many meters away from the... But he will try it. That is what makes the lion the king of the jungle. His fearlessness, not his strength, not his speed, not his agility, but his fearlessness. I am going to take this one on. Because sometimes when you scare fear, fear runs away. I'm saying some wild things, but I don't know whether you are getting it. I mean, I always say, me, I don't like bullies. I've never liked bullies. And I always like to bully the bullies. So I'll take the bully on. Because I don't, I don't, I don't like people making me, intimidating me and making me afraid. I will take the fear on. You know, some, when we came into this building first, I used to come here sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes maybe 1 a.m., 2 a.m., Come and pray. I put off the light, all the lights and I'll be here alone praying. And sometimes I'll be praying. Then you hear, <laughs> you hear up there. <laughs> like somebody ran. Then I'll be praying. You know sometimes when, when, when you <laughs> your mind begins to play tricks on you and you are, you are, you are praying or talking then the prayer goes down a little because you are trying to hear. So you go, is that Then you hear the noise increases. Me, I'll run straight up the stairs. There's no light up the stairs to go and see what is making the noise. Sometimes you come from the basement. I'll go downstairs in the, in, and go and there's no light on. I also don't want you to see that I'm coming. <laughs> the only thing that I'm afraid of in this life is a horse. I, 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 everything else I'll confront it. The horse is the only thing. So, so sometimes my family, when we go anywhere, they see the horse, they would take me around and say, <laughs> go and talk to her. It doesn't sound sense logical, but that's me. The only thing that I'm afraid of is the horse. Apart from a horse, I'll face anything. Number five. <laughs> Your failure. Sometimes we are afraid of our past failures. Amen. Everybody in this room has failed before. Everybody in this room will fail. But that failure doesn't define who you are. Am I talking to somebody? That failure doesn't define you. In fact, if you know and you have anything about you, that failure is a stepping stone. You have to step on the failure to go to where you want to go. Amen? Don't let the failure be a trap door. Let it be a step. Failure shows you how not to do that again. 
Let's say there are three ways of, of doing something, three attempts of doing something. Then you try the first one, you fail at, you fail at it. The second one you are going to try, how many chances do you have? Isn't it? So you have cut down your chance of failure. And you have increased your chance of success. Isn't it? Because if at the first go, you have 30% chance of succeeding. You try it and you fail. So you know that this one is what I did that made me fail. So if I'm going to do it again, I have two options. So my chance of success is what? 50%. If I try it again and I fail at it, and I come back. This one didn't work. This one didn't work. My chance of success is what? So failure is a good thing. It's a stepping stone. From today, don't run away from failure. Use failure. Use it wisely. Every good, successful athlete uses failure wisely. It is only a fool who will keep doing the same thing that made them fail and still go and do the same thing. Hallelujah. But when we learn to use failure wisely, we will become successful. Number six, my time. Your frustrations. How many have been frustrated before? Brother Elijah was frustrated because after all that he had done for God, Jezebel is about to kill and end his life. And out of his frustration, he utters a word that he should never have uttered. He said, Lord, kill me now. I am no better than my fathers. Listen, never ever pray that prayer. I wish I were dead. He said, it's enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my fathers. It's enough. Immediately God says that, okay. Go and stand there and wait for me. I'm coming. And God came and said that, Anoint Jehu, the son of Mishi, anoint uh, Abiata, anoint this person, and anoint Elisha in your step. Get out. Yeah. You say you want to die. Get out. Go and die. Anoint Jehu, anoint. Uh, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, in yourself, stay. And you, get out of this place. You say you want to die. Go. Did Elijah really want to get end his prophetic career? No. It was just frustration. He was venting his frustration in the moment. But your frustration is an enemy. It's a vision killer. You are trying to do something. It's not working. You are trying. It's not working. You are trying. It's not working. Listen, don't allow that to cloud your judgment. Some people have stopped courses that would have opened the doors for their prosperity in life because they did the exams once, twice, three times, four times, and didn't pass. 
And so they got frustrated and they stopped. If I'm to tell you history of all these uh, uh, people in history that failed in their academics but went on to succeed in the same subject and write thesis, you'll be amazed. Are you with me? You've written the exam first time, you didn't pass. Second time, you didn't pass. Third time, no, no, no. Sit down, analyze. What, did I, what am I doing wrong? Don't be like the one who's always doing the same thing. That's schizophrenia. Doing the same thing and hoping to have a different outcome. Hallelujah. But don't allow frustrations. Some of us, life has frustrated us. So we don't enjoy life anymore. We don't want to do anything. Some of us, we, we don't want to serve God because we are frustrated. One of the greatest enemies of true Christians is offense from Christians. Can I say it again? One of the greatest enemies of true Christians is offense from Christians. The Bible says that their brother who is overcome in a fault is like a city without gates. The head is like a city without a wall. You can't penetrate. But sometimes we become so frustrated that it affects our Christian life. We become so bitter, we don't want to be in church. Some people leave at one church and go to another church, but they take the bitterness with them. So they go and say, here, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to allow anybody to speak to me like that. I'm going to. You are the city without a wall. Without a gate. Just wall. No gate. So nobody can get through. Because you are frustrated. Listen. Frustration is part of life. Frustration comes because you are passionate. Passionate, frustration comes because you are passionate about something. It's a good thing to be frustrated. You can use your frustration to invent things. The people who invented, they used frustration. A brother offended is harder than to win than a strong city. And contentions like a bar, bars of a castle. Some version says it's like a city without walls. Without gates, sorry. A city, walled city without gates. Hallelujah. Listen, when you are frustrated, use it wisely. Use your frustration, turn it into passion to make yourself become successful. Don't let frustration get the better of you. Are you with me? The right brothers, out of frustration, of the many several attempts they tried to, to fly, they used it to invent the airplane that you and I use today. Hallelujah. Number seven, quickly. Tiredness. How many are tired emotionally? Emotionally are tired. 
you are, you are, you, you, you are tired. You don't want to know. You, 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 don't, you don't want to know anymore. You know, there are some people who are walking in life, but they are tired of life. They're just walking. If you're unfortunate to meet such a person, sister, you are a beautiful lady. I love you. I will want you. I want to marry you. The sweet words that are coming sounds like insults. I've heard all this nonsense before. Listen, if you don't have anything to say, young man, don't waste my time. But these are beautiful words. Some people are fasting and praying to hear those words. You are hearing those words and they sound like insults to you. Why? Because you are tired of life. You are tired of those words. Because Jimmy came. Matthew came. Maxwell came. Johnny came. Makanaki even came. So the tiredness makes you, it paralyzes you and makes you not want to do anything. Bible says that they had, uh, uh, David and his people had gone to fight the Philistines. And when they came, they, they had gone and the Lord had wrought a lot of victory with their, in, on their hands and they came back home. When they got home, Amalek had come and taken all their wives and children away. In their tiredness, they sat down and they saw how their children, their wives had been gone, had been taken. And they were just tired, emotionally tired, frustrated. And the people said, let's kill David. Let's kill him. It doesn't make sense. But when we kill him, we feel better. You know, sometimes when, when you are frustrated, you do irrational things. <laughs> it's like, what has killing David got to do with your wives and children gone? Will killing David bring them back? No, but when you're frustrated, you see, when you're frustrated in life, sometimes you take your innocent people. Kill him. Look at David's. David is also going through the same thing. He is also tired, emotionally drained. The Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. He said, so. And his soul said, mm hmm. And he said, why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. This is the man talking to his own soul, which was tired, emotionally drained. He said, I hope in God. Don't be tired. Listen to, listen, learn to talk to yourself. Learn to encourage yourself. I know it's frustrating. 
I know the things you wish you wanted to do has not come about, but hope in God. Somebody say, I'll hope in God. Or say it like you mean, I'll hope in God. Listen, it is frustrating. I know life sometimes can be very, very, very draining. Discouraging. But hope in God. Sometimes that's why it's good to come to church. Because you hear some words like this that encourages you. If you're at home, your mind will be playing tricks. Like those guys, you say, let's go and kill. Find a David and kill. Let's give up. They didn't find a, a way to go and collect their wives back. They wanted to go and kill. As if killing will solve the problem. Killing David have brought more frustration. Are you with me? So let's learn to encourage ourselves. Let's learn sometimes to rest. Some say rest. Learn to rest. Sometimes, one of the things that we find difficult to do, and we are all guilty, when we take uh, a census of, in this room, I'm sure 80% of us don't know when to rest. I'm looking at Pastor William. He's trying to avoid my eyes, but I'm talking to you. Today, today, your wife is not here, so I can, I can pick on you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you need to learn how to rest. Emotionally rest. Switch off the phone. Switch off the TV. Switch everything off. And rest. To get a revitalization of life. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You need a renewal of strength. So you need sometimes to shut down. Close the door. Shut everybody else. And take time out. Amen. Number eight, let's finish. Procrastination. How many have procrastinated in life? Only one person. You have to start your exercise program, weight loss program. Now, now. For credit, come tomorrow. Come tomorrow. <laughs> oh, let me eat this cheesecake. We'll start tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes, eh, I have some food in the fridge. Let the food finish. Then we'll start. Then the food is finished. So I, I, I don't think, I don't have anything else. Let me go shopping. Then go and buy more cakes. Ecclesiastes 11.4. He that observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. Hallelujah. Sometimes we find excuses. The Proverbs says that the slothful man says that there's a lion in the street. 
I like that, that scripture. I like that scripture so much. It's a family scripture that we use in our house. <laughs> the lazy man says, there's a lion in the street. Do you know the lion? Sometimes when you open the door, the, the cold, the snow hits your face. You see all white, you say that door is a lion. Then you close the door, say, there's a lion in the street. A fierce lion in the street. Not just a lion. Fierce one. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says that not being slothful by redeeming the time, for the days are evil. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times because the days are evil. Listen, make use of good use of every time you have. If you don't have work to do, use the time to train. If you are unemployed, that time is the time for training. It's the time for reading. There's time for preparation. If you are not married, use that time to prepare to be the best wife. Are you with me? If you are, whatever you, 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 you are not, don't dwell on the not. Use the time to train for the, the actual. Am I making sense? Yeah. Life is so short when you talk to old people. When you talk to young people, they say that I have a lot of time. But when you talk to 80-year-olds, 85, 86 Only a few days ago, I was a young lady. Look at me now. I was talking to my mom the other day, and she said, I used to be a teacher. I started laughing. Ha, ha, ha. When was that? She's 87, and she used to be a teacher when she was 19. But she remembers it as if it's yesterday. Because life is very short. Before you blink, you are 50. Before you say hi, you are 60. Before you say hey, your children are planning to take the old people's home. Me, I've told my children, if you don't know. <laughs> I'll curse you from the, 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 my house to the old people's home. I'll be cursing you till we get there. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know why Pastor Williams laughing at me. <laughs> you know, as you are dealing with them, they are also planning things for you. Do you know that? Say this man. One day, my daughter said that we shouldn't eat uh, bacon and eggs and all those type of things. Because we're, we're supposed to be on diet. And she went out. Then quickly me and my wife, we organized bacon. Organized bacon. You know, like, like, like little children. We organized bacon, eggs, everything. Fried it. Fried everything. Quickly, quickly. Organized ourselves. And we ate and 
I was lying this side of the sofa, and she was lying that side of the sofa. Like two big bunnies were just lying there. We had just finished eating. And we had washed the plate and everything so that she doesn't see when she comes. But unfortunately, I forgot to wash the fry pan. <laughs> so when she came in, she could smell something. But she looked at us and we were like, Then she went to the kitchen. She was looking everywhere, looked. How can I? Then she went to see the, the pan on the stove that I left. Then she saw the bacon and the eggs. I don't care. I don't care. If you die, you, you, you get fat and you die. You go. <laughs> she, she told us off and she stormed out of the room, went into her room. Then we were quiet to her. I looked at that, she still looked at me. <laughs> so she was saying, hey, you, I'll take you to an old people's home. I don't care. <laughs> you go and die there. <laughs> You'll be eating bacon. I said, don't eat bacon. <laughs> Stand to your feet, let's go.